sermon passage for today is Exodus 3, verses 7 to 22. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good land, good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now, please let us go a three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Amen. You guys may be seated. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. Father, we come and we ask boldly this morning. Father, we ask that you would teach us your word. We ask that we would know you, know your words and your commandments, to believe them and to follow them. Lord, we ask this morning that you would show us your power and that you would stir in us faith and hope and confidence in you. We ask, Lord, this morning that you would direct us as individuals, as families, as a church, that you would direct us in paths of righteousness that glorify you and honor your name. 
Lord, we need you. And we cry out because we believe that you are eager to work for your people. We pray now that you would do so in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, congregation, before we dive in here this morning, let, let's just breathe for a second. You know, these are strange times that we're trying to navigate here. And um, we're all doing things differently. We're sitting in different ways. We're cuddled up with kids, whether we're on a couch in our pajamas or are here. But friends, the Lord knows the strange times that we're living in. And, and He loves His children. And He's given us His word. And He promises to meet with us and to let us meet with Him. And God, like, this is a blessing. It's a blessing. I just want you to, to meet with Jesus today. And I pray that, that this time in His word would, would accomplish that for for all of us. So we're studying the book of Exodus because we want to see God at work. And the book of Exodus shows us that our God saves and there is no enemy that is greater than him. And in chapter 3, which Kimberly just read the end of it for us, the story of God's deliverance of his people kind of focuses in on a man named Moses. And it is Moses that God is going to use to deliver, humanly speaking, to deliver his people. And so last week, in verses 1 through 6, and I chuckle at the idea that, that I thought I was going to preach the whole passage, but, but in verses 1 through 6, we saw a meeting between Moses and God. God appears to Moses in a burning bush to reveal himself to Moses. It was, it was vital that Moses know God as he truly is before God sent Moses to work in his name. Now it is during this encounter, this meeting around the burning bush that the rest of chapter 3 unfolds before us. So, so Moses is still in, in the presence of the Lord. The meeting, you might say, is still going on. And now the conversation moves from Moses knowing the Lord to the Lord sending Moses. And so what we're going to see in these verses today is God is going to send Moses to do a great work. And God offers himself and his word as Moses' hope and the hope of the people of Israel. So God is going to offer himself and his word as the hope for Moses and for God's people. So if you want to take notes this morning, our first point that we're going to look at is the commission. God has work to do and he will use Moses to accomplish it. Now, verses 7 through 12 encapsulate this commission for us. Verses 7 through 9 
are hope-filled words that really tie back to, to much of what we studied in chapter 2. God definitively tells Moses that he has seen the affliction of his people in Egypt. He has heard their cry, and he's going to intervene and do something about it. So God has seen their affliction, he's heard their cry, and he's going to intervene and do something about it. It is God himself who will deliver his people from Egypt. Now this is a hope-filled declaration for us. God will do it. And this is the part that makes the most sense in the passage. God, we need you. God will act. God, we need your help. He says, I'm going to help. Now is the time. You have waited. This is the time. We're going to do it. I think what might be perplexing to our human mind is found in verse 10. Because in verse 10, God moves from, I'm going to deliver my people to, come, Moses, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So, so to me, the, the, the odd turn is not that God answers the prayers of his people and that he will deliver them. It's that he will use Moses to do it. God's going to accomplish his sovereign will and his providential purposes through the work of a man named Moses. God says, Moses, I'm going to send you back to Egypt, and through you, I'm going to deliver my people. That is the commission. That is the work that God has given to Moses. You will go back to Egypt, and you, through you, I will deliver my people. Now, it's really important also to remember that when Moses left Egypt, he was not in the good graces of Egypt or Israel. He was not in a good spot. It wasn't a good place to be. They, they, they both didn't like him for what he had done. And now God says, hey, I'm going to go lead you to help these people escape these people. Ready, break. Right? Like this is a little bit crazy. And then we're told in verse 11 that Moses responds to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, let's not read our our modern 20... Are we in the 21st century? Yeah, 21st century psychoses into this passage too quickly, okay? So the who am I here is not like a, a woe is me, I'm inadequate statement. Moses saves all those up for chapter 4, okay? Um, the, the who am I here is actually, it's, it's a common phrase of the language in the day. And really, it's just intended to, to communicate, I understand the magnitude of what you're asking me to do, and I'm humbled that you would choose me. Um, so God is saying, I'm going to do a great thing. And Moses is, when he says, who am I? He's saying, I understand the greatness of the work that you're setting out on. But then when he says, who am I? He's also saying, but I'm humbled that you would choose me. So, so, so this phrase, who am I, is intended to show us that, that Moses understands the magnitude of what God is sending him to do. This is no small thing. It is a weighty, heavy thing. And he understands his own inadequacy to accomplish it in and of himself. 
So God is going to send Moses to deliver God's people from Egypt. And before we leave this section, God is going to give Moses a clear definition of success. You know, right? You haven't delegated well until you've defined success. And so here it is. This shall be a sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt and you shall serve God on this mountain. So God's saying, you'll know the work is complete when you're right back here, but instead of it being me and you, it's you and all the people who've been delivered from the bondage of Egypt. So the work that God is calling Moses to do is to be his mouthpiece and his hands and his feet in delivering his people from bondage in Egypt. Now, there is a clear like, okay, Lord, how am I going to do this question that should be in our minds? Okay, we're going there in just a second. But before we go there, let's, let's learn from this. What we see in this passage is a consistent theme in the Scripture. God accomplishes His work through His people. I don't know why, but my wife and I often talk about, why doesn't God just like snap His fingers and be like, and that was done, and that was done, and that was done, and that was done. Wouldn't it just be a lot easier like if, if, if God could look down and go, okay, you have an anger problem, and now you don't anymore, right? But I guess he could, but he, that's not how God's chosen to work in his world, and that's not how he's chosen to reveal himself in his scripture. He's revealed himself as one who meets his people, changes his people, and sends his people to carry out his work. That's not just an exodus theme. It's a theme that runs throughout the scriptures. And so if we're in Christ then we know God, just as Moses knew God. And if we're in Christ, we take up the New Testament and we see him sending his people to accomplish his purposes and carry out his work in his world in the here and now. We could think about the Great Commission. We could think about love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We could think about the Lord calling his people to be those whom he uses to carry out his work in the world. And so let's see the great things that God will do through Moses because God has sent Moses. But all of this leads us to the the more daunting question. Okay, God, how, how can I do this? How can I do this? And God is going to give Moses a promise. He's going to give Moses a promise. The promise in its simple form is in verse 12. I will be with you. Five words. I will be with you. The promise that God makes in its simple form is, Moses, you can endure this difficult task and have confidence and hope in this difficult task because I will be with you. So the real pivotal word in those five words is I. 
who will be with Moses? Because, like, let's, let's be honest, friends. I have a daunting task for you. And Jamie will be with you. That should not give you much confidence and hope <laughs> and courage. Like, really? That's the best you can do? So who will be with Moses? And that's, that's why I believe that Moses asks, Okay, God, verse 13, when I go back to the people of Israel and say to them, let's break out of this place, storm the doors, we're out of here, and they look at me and they say, oh, really, why should we follow you? What am I going to tell them? Who sent me? God. Oh, really, which one? The one in the bush that was on fire on the mountain over there? Like, I don't think that's going to go over very well, Lord. And so what God gives to Moses is not just his name, but his character and his identity and who he is. So the name of God is not about his birth certificate or his driver's license or his paycheck. The name of God is about who God is. And God says this, Tell them, I am who I am. And that in the English might sound like a missing the point kind of answer. Which God? I am, the one who is. But if you want to spend your afternoon studying linguistics, there's a lot to be found here. But this is a very complicated word phrase, which is intended to communicate the God who always is and always has been and always will be. The I am means I exist. There was not a time where I didn't exist. There was not a time where I won't exist. I haven't been created. I will not die. I haven't risen to power. I will not fade from power. I am. And in this I am statement, what God is saying is I exist. I am unchanging. I am able. I am the one true God. You can have confidence in me. And then what God does is he ties his name, I am. He ties it to his history with Israel. And he says, I am the God of your fathers. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And what he's saying is, the one who always has been and always will be and is unchanging and is for his people, by the way, he was the God of Abraham. He called Abraham. He was faithful to Abraham. This God called Isaac. He was faithful to Isaac. This God called Jacob, he was faithful to Jacob. What is being said here is God is putting himself, his character, his history, and his faithfulness out there before Moses and before the people and saying, trust me and follow me. I am. Friends, When we read through the New Testament, and those of you who are with us early this year at Redeemer, you'll remember, I hope, that one of the reasons Jesus was killed was because he claimed this name for himself. John chapter 8, before Abraham was, I am. What Jesus is saying is, 
I'm God. As we read in Matthew 11 earlier, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Which means this, friends. If we know Christ, we know the one true God just like Moses did and just like the people of Israel did. And he is and he is for his people and he is faithful and he keeps his word and he is unchanging. And we can celebrate knowing him and belonging to him with great joy and great hope and great confidence. I am with you. And just in case there was any vagueness to that name of God declaration, God goes a step farther and he promises Moses success in this mission. He promises Moses success in this mission. He says, look, I will go up to Egypt with you. I will go before Pharaoh with you. It will be a struggle, but you will be delivered. Pharaoh will be defeated, and you will leave with blessing. I'll go with you. I'll go before Pharaoh with you. It will be a struggle, but you will be delivered, and when you go, you will go with blessing. So God gives himself and his character, and then he gives a specific promise of his word that he will deliver his people. So what is Moses' confidence? The God who is with him and the specific promise of his word that he will fulfill. God will fulfill his words for his people. Now, let's remember this. We're not Moses We're not in Egypt. And we can't take the end of Exodus 3 here and say, therefore, I'm going to go steal from my neighbors and God's going to bless that. Okay? This was a particular promise to a particular situation. The issue is not the particularity of the promise. It's that God can be trusted to accomplish his word. And so while we're not in this, this, this exact context, the Bible is chock full of promises that God gives to all of his people, particularly those who are in Christ, that he will accomplish all of his word for his people. So if God has spoken it, we can believe it. More than can, we should believe it because it is our hope. So let me end this sermon in this way. If you're here today kind of exploring the faith, here's what I would ask you to consider. That there is one God who created all things. And he is revealing himself through his son, Jesus, so that we might know him and be delivered by him and belong to him. And this God is not a tyrant, but he is a benevolent and kind father. Would you consider this God today? And if you're here and you're you're saying, Jamie, I'm in Christ. Then what it means to be in Christ is that God and his character and his promises are our hope. Let's find hope in him. 
Let's run to him. Let's be trusting in him. Let's be asking him to move us forward in love and good deeds because he is with us. Today, I want you to have radical hope that God is for his people and God keeps his word. And in his unchanging existence, he always will keep his word and he always will be moving his people toward an eternal enjoyment of him. So, Father, I pray now that you would teach your people your word. Lord, whatever's been said today that is good and helpful and right, I pray that you would cause us to receive it and to believe it. Lord, would you make yourself, your presence, your love, your mercy, your compassion known to your people today, wherever we may be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.